Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of West is the Best. Today's conversation is looking and focusing at community partners. And today we have a great panel. Um, I will let Megan go ahead and turn it over to who we have today. Thank you. Thank you, Marcella. Marcella, you, I'll pick on you first. Former regional director and now the community education liaison but I didn't catch for which school district. Yes, so no longer New Mexico State University now, it is with the Dulce Independent School District in New Mexico. Excellent, we'll talk about that in a moment. We've also got from Colorado, another former regional director, Lacey Taylor, who is now a 4-H specialist in Cheyenne County, Colorado. Welcome Lacey. Thank you for having me. It's good to see you all. We, from Idaho, we have Claire Sponseller. Claire is an area extension educator with University of Idaho, and her area is the entire state. Welcome, Claire. <laughs> hello, hello. And our most recent inductee to the Regional Directors Club, Marlena Greasy from Colorado. Hello, I um, am happy to be here on my first West is the Best podcast. We're excited for this topic and I'm still Megan. So today's conversation is about community partnerships. Um, we have always had a strong community partnership expectation in our work as 4-H professionals. Um, generally, these have been with our commissioners, with the FFA, with fair boards, camp facilities, all of our um, most favorite programs that we offer have always been in partnership with others who share similar visions and aspirations. Um, today, we're going to talk about the necessity and how to create new partnerships in our communities and the cool things that happen when we can do better together. Then to identify there were some that were handed to me like fair board complimentary to FFA. So you hear these names, the individuals that sit in those seats will determine how, I don't want to use the word easy, but how much communication comes back and forth. So the transparency, the partnerships and identity is easy. I would say to actually practice is probably one of the most challenging parts. A lot of it is my first position was in a small town, small office. So you had to figure it out on your own or you had to leverage the resources you had, which obviously for us usually is volunteers. So I immediately went to volunteers and started trying to talk to them and who they knew and how we could pull things together. And so we had some of those standing relationships, fair boards, commissioners. We were heavily involved in the Chamber of Commerce um, and things like that to kind of, everybody did everything, you know, so you had to be involved in all those pieces to kind of know the players and, and figure out how each group and each person ticked to, to make it work for 4-H and then our benefit. But um, I, I used volunteers though a lot is they, you know, they were our sources. They know our program, they know the communities. And so um, I probably leaned on them a lot as well when I first started out. So in um, Nebraska, I do remember 
when I went to like new staff orientation or new 4-H staff orientation, um, they did talk about like community partnerships being that like two-sided thing. Like they need to be getting something out of it and we need to be getting something out of it led into it. But I do remember we had that conversation about how the it really needs to be a true partnership for it to be sustainable. As an extension professional, you, I found that I always had to keep youth development at the basis of my decisions. It's really quick. I, I always like to say we have a lot of bosses in extension. Well, this I is like where everybody does the fanfare. Yes, we do. <laughs> Growing up in the program, it still did not prepare me to walk in and just take charge completely, comfortably for the first year, honestly. And if I could change that for anyone so they can make those community partnerships, because there's that fine line of making sure that we're balanced, us personally, and saying, okay, youth at the forefront. I love that, Marcella. And if we can have that balance to say, okay, we're going to have our, our what the community expects, the community expectations for the program. And then manage that with the outlets that we, that really give us fire and help expand the audience. That would be perfect. Um, expanding the program, people presume that it's to build our 4-H club numbers and our classic model numbers, or is it? I will be curious to see what Marcella says, because that fine line of navigating what is the expectation but let's say community expectation and, and trying to balance positive youth development and community engagement. It, it, all of that merges together and how do you keep that line forward? Interesting enough, I conversation-wise, I heard um, a speaker say this literally yesterday um, he was a superintendent as in Wisconsin, and he was really talking about work-based, not work-based learning, sorry, uh, project-based learning. And his the way that he approached everything was really identifying youth first within the perspective of we are all experts that we have gone through schooling ourselves. So we think we're as experts on how a student should learn. That PYD piece at the forefront and youth at the forefront and keep us grounded. And so, but we have to still kind of take it to a point and then let it go from there. And if they're interested, let them explore. But that's our job as 4-H professionals is to show youth the possibilities and the opportunities and get them excited and then let them flourish and thrive on their own. You know, we can only take them so far, but that's our role is to, to really to embrace that what what the unique situations are and bring things to them and then let them take their path from there and and go a little bit more specific but to to serve our whole audience our whole youth audience our volunteers our program in general um we have to we have to be that pivotal point we have to be able to know when to say no Part of that is the Rural Action Project, and it is getting together communities to help come up with activities or events or programs, some sorts, to sponsor and get your community thriving. 
Well, we have the it's $5,000. It's roughly you meet three nights. You have speakers that are zoomed in and it's coordinated effort to say, how can we get our community to have some type of activity? And during this conversation, our community care coordinator was there and we were all talking because we have an economic development there. We have a little bit of representation or voices from our all across our county. And it was fascinating to me because even though I knew this, Hearing it refreshed by another youth-driven organization of saying, hey, instead of everybody doing one single thing, why don't we launch in and partner and do work on the existing things? And even though that is not a not new concept, it became novel to me. Uh, Dr. Friedman was giving like the capstone address and the most powerful thing she said that I still to this day reflect on was who doesn't deserve to be in 4-H in your community? So the other reminder to that is within New Mexico, we have those three tiers of delivery. So we have our traditional clubs, we have our school enrichment, and then we have our uh, special groups, special interest areas. And nationwide, those looks different. Partners that do youth programming but to, to tutor on horn, 4-H has always done it better, I think. And we always come through that PYD lens. And it's funny, now that we've been doing this for a couple of years, listening to Boys and Girls Club and United Way and YMCA in that youth voice piece, they had never considered really before, not to the level that we do within 4-H. And so we tell them hands in their pockets, you know, keep your hands in your pockets, let the kids do this, let them figure it out, let them, you know, and it, it just makes me that much more proud to to be within 4-H because that's, I think, one of the cool things that we do so well and why we are able to make so many things happen for our youth and our programs is because we are that kind of pivotal point in the community. Oftentimes, there's a lot of other people doing things out there, but nobody does it like we do. Nobody does it, I think, to the level that we do. So is your relationship with the entity or is it was it with that person that was there? And so now you have to start all over with the new person. And oftentimes it, it was with the person, even though they're representing an organization, I wanted to throw that point out there is, is you still may be with that partner, but they're representing an organization, but it may not be the organization you still have that relationship with. So it kind of complicates things a little sometimes. And I've found that very much so with um, communities that care in our here. Um, we just recently switched. And so it's been a big change. What? Where'd that come from? <laughs> So rebuilding, and I think that's a whole other podcast topic, is how do you rebuild this partnership and relationship that we've had forever that you didn't even know was great, but other people can come in and change the mind. Absolutely. That would be another workshop presentation that we all need in the form of professional development, survival, work-life balance, because I echo that completely. I've been through finally getting to where I really had a high functioning livestock committee, horse committee. Notice it's typically the traditional clubs. All of a sudden I left and that dynamic changed. And then I come here, I had a traditional fair board that had been functioning and operating. And then going into 2020, the commissioners decided to revamp the fair board and the fair completely best relationship with the fair board I've ever had. And now I'm in sheer panic that we can't ever change. When you finally get something that really is working and you have all those trusting partners, 
I'm on the verge of saying, oh, I, I, I don't want to lose that. How can I keep that? But I know I have to be flexible enough because ultimately it will change at some point in time. But to, to counter that too, Lacey, though, you can look at it in 4-H as well, though. Like usually we are one or maybe two people on a county. And then when that position is vacated, there's sometimes a huge hole left there. And so I think when we go back to some of our earlier conversations of PYD is so important, that conversation is so important, that communication is so important. Hopefully, if we've done our due diligence of reminding folks that youth are at the forefront, we need to do this through that positive youth development lens. Hopefully, some of that will have filtered out to some of these other community partners, and it won't be such a, a, a halt, a, a stop when they leave or our 4-H position opens up. Every year is essentially a brand new year. SR is in the 4-H year. There are going to be new faces, new volunteers, new experiences for people. And I have to remember that I have to make sure that I am communicating the same same standard of this is a positive youth development experience, that these are volunteers, these are club members, and we are, these are the expectations. And so for me, the biggest thing that I've had to really do is not just set it on autopilot. I had to giggle at the Colorado Ag agents had a fundraiser and their sweatshirt was the fundraiser. And it said, welcome to extension where every day is a bike ride. The bike is on fire. You're on fire. Your hair is on fire. To add to the conversation, to uh, giving words of advice to extension 4-H professionals who are early in their career, do know that the individuals and families who have been in the program longer than you've been there, you can change the system by starting with the new families. So if there's something ingrained, we do have cyclical aspects of conversation. So if you see something not working, you can introduce it and slowly change the system. And that's the the cool part, I think, of embracing every year's new is a new year to improve. And if you're getting comfortable, that's where it becomes dangerous. You have some, some great support and drawing on other people's experiences, ask questions for your colleagues and have those conversations, see different perspectives, visit other organizations and how they do things. Take the positive that you can incorporate, make it work for you, visit local um, areas, other counties, how they do things across the state, nationally, a uh, great part to plug in uh, the national association. So there's opportunities within those collaborations that can always support you and know that you're not in it alone. It was absolutely inspiring and it gives me goosebumps because they have been having that for over 20 years and it's been sustained and successful even through everything the world has faced over the last 20 years. And I, I love extension for that standpoint alone, because you can come in and yes, I know we hear the phrase, oh, I'll just Google it so often. But yet, if you come to extension, we're going to be able to figure something out. Go ahead, Claire. I was just going to say, I don't know that we are the best kept secret anymore, though, to be honest with you. Um, we've really had some opportunities to happen here in Idaho. And I feel like a lot of it's because they know that 4-H is doing all of that. And so, but we've really, over the last couple of decades, have really tried to focus on kind of what you were saying earlier is who, who wouldn't fit in 4-H? Really, there isn't an answer for that. So how can we figure out how to bring in all those other audiences and serve those other audiences? And I think 
today, we're really starting to see those efforts pay off. Extension is a big conversation. And I think some of those responses of, well, what does extension do? Sometimes it's easier. What does extension not do within those dynamics? Because the conversation of community partners is such a key aspect to how we support that it is one of those dynamics and conversations of 4-H is an incredible aspect, not only for youth development, because sometimes our, our adults that come with our youth are gaining just as much benefit, if not more, within those dynamics of conversation. So it's incredible. It's something I truly see and believe in and product of. You have to establish the individual, the personal connection. Hey friends, it's Megan. I just wanted to give a quick shout out to our guests, Marcella Talamente, Lacey Taylor, and Claire Sponseller. This has been a 2023 production of the NAE 4-H YDP Western Region. The West is the best. Join us for our next episode.